This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Empire. Twenty twenty was a year where gaming became mainstream. You can go in your backyard and throw a football around, or you know, hit a baseball, but you can't just go in your backyard and drive a race car. It costs money to get involved in motorsports, and so it's something that's really restricted motorsports from being exposed to broader audiences. And you know, sim racing to me has been for a long time. It was my connection to racing. That's Parker Kligerman, NASCAR driver, esports gamer, and NBC Sports personality. He knows the future behind the virtual wheel has major implications. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. Parker Kligerman is doing a lot of things, TV, blogs, podcasts, gaming, and of course, some driving on the NASCAR circuits. 2020 was tough on everyone, but it was also a time to reinvent, or if nothing else, awaken some to the power of esports. Our guest this week is Parker Kligerman, who is a driver on the NASCAR Truck Series. He's also a TV host and reporter for NBC Sports and is an innovator and entrepreneur in the esports realm. What a perfect time to talk to you, Parker. Thanks for joining us uh, here. Sure thing. Appreciate it. Thanks. Uh, you make it sound like I'm really busy. But, uh, <laughs> Are you not? It actually feels that way a lot of times. No, it definitely, it definitely am. So, uh, but yeah, it's. What a, what a timely thing to be involved in the eSports thing with everything we just went through the last couple months. Yeah, you know, I want to um, I want to get into eSports in a moment, but c- can you just give me a general sense of here we are coming down towards the end of 2020, the NASCAR season obviously is is finishing up, and what is just your general sense of motorsports in dealing with COVID during the 2020 season? Well, it's a great uh, question, and, and really motorsports was probably the – most, I guess, prolific and biggest benefiter, you know, in some respects, in that sense of what went down with the sports shutdown, because we were able to expose the world to the the connection that motorsports has between the esports side and the real world side, unlike any other sport there is out there, right? Because what we do in motorsport esports with a wheel, with pedals, with a shifter, it's the exact same actions that we use in real life. And the way that the simulations have gone with iRacing uh, and how realistic it's become, you know, race drivers for the last 10 years have been using iRacing to get prepared for races and using simulators with the manufacturer. But, you know, it was sort of understood, but people didn't pay attention to it as much. And then when the shutdown happened and suddenly all the real life drivers, including myself, are, are racing on national television on iRacing, Right. And we're showing how realistic it is. We're talking about how realistic it is. I think that really opened up people's eyes to, you know, what motorsports uh, and, you know, the connection it has to the real world versus the virtual world. Um, And I think that was just, you know, I hate to say there was a winner in any of this. Right. Because it's been a terrible time for everyone. But I think if you look at it, the sports landscape, what we've proved, what we were able to show in terms of 
that connection, that was really important. Yeah. Uh, did you take part in any of the iRacing events? Were you a competitor in it? Oh, yeah, every single one. Yep, the Pro Invitational. So we, uh, my best finish was third at Richmond. Yeah. Um, led some laps in a couple of them, probably had a chance to win the one at Dover, but uh, we ended up getting wrecked. But it was a lot of fun. It was, uh, it, it, you know, iRacing has been, and sim racing has been something that's been a thread throughout my entire racing career. Um, you know, I started sim racing back when I was 12 years old and that same year I started driving a go-kart. So it's been a constant for me and therefore I've been a huge supporter of it. So when that all came around and suddenly iRacing was pushing the limelight, you know, I had already had an eSport team that was involved in the top iRacing series. I already iRaced a ton, had my own simulator. So it was a really natural thing to just jump into that for me. That's really cool. Um, you know, it, it's such a different world now. Um, I don't know if frowned upon would be the best way to put it, but it seemed like that there was this kind of sense of when you heard drivers, at least initially, were involved in that as they kind of grew into the sport, there was this kind of sense that wrong about it, that they hadn't been doing it in real life. And I don't get that that sense is really out there anymore. I mean, it's really modernized, right? And the idea that like, this is a path to do this um, on the real circuits. So that's a great point, and it's why I was such a big supporter of it because, you know, motorsports for 120 years of its existence has had a massive barrier to entry, right? There is a, a huge financial barrier to entry in motorsports that other sports don't have. You can go in your backyard and throw a football around or, you know, hit a baseball, but you can't just go in your backyard and drive a race car. It costs money to get involved in motorsports, and so it's something that's really restricted motorsports from being exposed to broader audiences. and you know, sim racing to me has been for a long time. It was my connection to racing, right? It was my way of training myself. And, and I always tell the story of back in 2009, I sat on the pole for my first ever NASCAR start. Uh, and beside me, I, who I beat was Kyle Busch. In, that, in my career <laughs> at the time, I had done something like 60 races. He had done more races than that in that year alone. Yeah. But I had done 10,000 hours of sim racing. Right. Because that was just that was my connection. It was how I could do it because my family couldn't afford to pay for me to be in a race car every week. So that's why I've been such a big supporter of it. And I think I'm what you you brought up, which is that for years, people didn't want to listen to me when I'd say, look, this is going to become a viable path for people to be involved in motorsports and to prove that they belong to be in motorsports. And it will lower that barrier of entry. And, and I think a lot of times people are like, oh, yeah, whatever, whatever. And then, obviously, the pandemic hit. We shifted to being on national television, iRacing, and suddenly, I think it opened a lot of people's eyes to saying, "Oh, wait, okay, yeah, we should take this seriously." You know, um, and I don't want, you know, I don't want to say I was ahead of everyone, but it's just that's why I've been so passionate about it. Yeah, and and we had Steve Myers on, who is one of the executive producers of iRacing, and the graphics are unbelievable. And he went through, and you probably would know this firsthand, having literally driven on these tracks. Very few people have been able to do that. I mean, he was going on and on about every little particular aspect of these tracks are being upgraded. And, you know, it clearly it's not real life, but it's pretty darn close. So <laughs> I, I, I wonder, you know, it, as you have done both of these things, is Talladega Talladega in the game as opposed to Talladega when you're driving her truck around the track? So it is 100%. And the, the most amazing thing is, you know, when I... When we talk about Talladega, it's a form of racing called Super Speedway Racing, which is Daytona and Talladega, the only super speedways we have in NASCAR. And it's that unique packed 
style racing that you see all the time in advertisements where we're four wide and a huge pack of cars and there's big wrecks. And it's racing that, you know, it's generally it's easy to drive the car around those tracks, but it's really hard to race. And it's basically a chess game at 200 miles an hour. And the only, you know, for years, the only way you prepped for a super speedway race was you went and watched past races, took notes essentially in your head or even wrote them down physically about moves you saw others make and the, the way they manipulated the draft and the things you saw coming down the line. So you'd think, all right, when I get in that position in a race, I just need to remember that, put it in my mental notebook and use that and deploy it, right? Well, now, over the last 10 years, when I go super speedway racing for that week leading up, I will go race Talladega or Daytona every single night on iRacing. And I'll just go do races after races after races. And what it does is it gets me to be making those decisions about when to, you know, when to push a car, when to break the draft and, and switch lanes, when to, uh, how to avoid a wreck. And my, my, my reason for doing that is to try and get my mind to make those decisions so often during the week that when I get in the real race car and I jump in the race, they're second nature. Yeah. I don't even have to think about it because it's, it's become such a, uh, you know, something I've been training myself for all week. And that's because it's so same decisions. It's all the same actions and movements uh, that we have in real life. And, that, and that's why, you know, iRacing is just, to me, it's just the most unbelievable thing in motorsports that we have this tool that's just sitting in your house that's that realistic. Um, so let's talk about iRacing and esports as a model for NASCAR, which obviously they've embraced here, like, and they're promoting it. And the broadcasts were actually, of all the sim things that occurred while everything was shut down, it was amazing, really, what Fox did with it. You know, like, it really, it, you felt like you were there, what you were watching. It wasn't, like, listen, I loved watching the NBA players play 2K with one another and all that stuff. It's not the same, and we all kind of know that. Yeah. I felt like I was watching a race with you guys, and it was <laughs> it was really cool. So they have this they have this broadcast model they're clearly embracing it it was really welcomed by the fans and all of that stuff as you see this moving forward um what's the path for nascar to broaden their audience and broaden esports within their realm well first of all as you noted there was a lot of people i think it opened their eyes to whoa like this felt real and i had um some people from a a very large esport team and traditional esports as i call it where you know shooters and that sort of thing who I ended up having discussions with because of everything that went down. And they were just very interested in, in what was going on. And they said the same thing. He's like, I almost was more interested in this than real racing. And I thought that was really fascinating, right? Because it just, they couldn't believe how realistic it looked. And therefore it was just intriguing in that sense. Um, you know, how do we take this and, and move it forward? Well, I think it's continually showing people that the barrier of entry is being lowered. You know, that's, that's what's really going to drive this forward in the long run and that is that we're able to expose this to more people to allow more people to, to experience motorsports and then give them a path to be involved through this lowered barrier of entry right so one of the things we have in iRacing and NASCAR is the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing series and this is the halo top level sim racing league uh, in the United States and that's where I own a team, Burton Clinger Esports, and you have many NASCAR teams that are involved there. You have many NASCAR drivers that are involved, like myself, owning teams and promoting this. And the reason we do that and why I think it's so important is that it gives these young men and women a destination, right? And then it gives them a platform to, you know, grow their name, to, to show people they're involved in motorsports, that they can win at this level in iRacing and potentially make that connection to real world. And I think you know, when we get that right, when we get that platform and we get that e-NASCAR series to be taken very seriously and the, the support behind it 
continues to grow, then we can talk about, all right, how do we bridge the gap, right? Which is then how do we figure out how to take those successful men and women from this realm and get them in the real world and do that successfully and, and really make it a very easy transfer. And that, that's probably the hardest part, but the, the, the initial part of it, of getting just people involved in motorsport, I think is so important. It's something that we, we maybe have an advantage over other sports, but also is something we need to do because for so long we have not had that ability to get people involved in motorsport. It was the first time, and we've seen the preponderance of this growth, and you're in esports, so you know this, like Fortnite events can fill up Madison Square Garden, so can League of Legends. NASCAR and iRacing was the first sporting event style video game that I saw and went, I think they could replicate that if they wanted to. Like, I don't think they can do it with 2K or NHL or FIFA, but I think they could do it if real drivers showed up or the best sim drivers showed up and they put the races up on big screens. I think they could replicate that uh, in that manner. A hundred percent. I agree. And you brought up a great point, which is, you know, the getting the real stars involved, that's going to really help. And that's what we did with bringing the, you know, IRC made a great decision to bring in team owners that were real drivers real team owners from the real world to try and bridge that gap a little bit and get, you know, the, the fans out there to that, to understand like these drivers are supporting this because they believe in it, but also it's something they do in their free time, right? You, you can jump on iRacing and if your license is high enough or you end up in the same race, you'll never know who you run into. You might run into Max Verstappen, the full one driver, just randomly in a race. You might run into Dale Earnhardt Jr. You might run into myself. Like yeah. that happens every hour on iRacing because the real world race car drivers and the biggest stars there are, are just as excited about it as the fans who just want to experience racing. So if we can find a way to harness that on a grander stage like you're talking about and, you know, basically sell that and bottle it up, I think absolutely the potential is there to, you know, maybe centered around a race weekend. There's a big leading up to it that we, we can sell 10,000 tickets or something to go to and, and be involved with. I, I think the sport is looking at those things. Yeah. And I absolutely think you're spot on by saying those are coming. And how about the bridge between other motorsports? For me, in watching from afar, it always felt like they were completely in different silos and never connected to one another. The IndyCar and NASCAR and Formula One and the other you know, major motorsports around the world, they just never seem intertwined with one another. Could esports alter that in some way? <laughs> that you are, uh, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head. So you weren't wrong to, to think that because they weren't. They, they all viewed each other as competition right? And this is, this is to a more macro discussion about motorsports and what's happened over the last 20 years. But, and it's, it's actually something I'm very passionate about. I've investigated a lot, but they, they viewed each other as competition when they really should have been viewing each other as, you know, basically coexisting partners, right? And because a motorsport fan that loves NASCAR is probably the, the easiest person to transfer into being a full one fan. Right. And of course, because they already like racing. I like they, college so, basketball you know, and the NBA. <laughs> this isn't it, that it hard. A hundred percent. And forever, you know, if you look at the last 25 years of motorsports, forever reason, motorsports leagues viewed like their competition as being those in motorsports and other sports. So instead of saying, hey, we need to all work together to cultivate motorsports fans. No, it's I need to steal fans from NFL and I need to steal fans from the IndyCar and they can't be fans of anything else. That's not the way they look at it anymore. And in the last five years, I'd say, to maybe a decade, we have really started to transfer that thinking, and you're seeing it now between IndyCar and NASCAR, you know, doing that double header early this year, and a lot of that, you know, started to stem from, I believe, the sim racing world, where you had 
you know, just last, or I think it was two nights ago, Max Verstappen posted on Twitter a picture of him doing a NASCAR truck race at Talladega on iRacing. So NASCAR tweeted at him and said, hey, come join us. Like that, that allows that connection, allows him to experience it in a way that just didn't happen. And then you have drivers like Fernando Alonso, who takes a sabbatical from F1, goes and does IndyCar, he does sports cars, he does Dakar. And it's, it's, you know, the funny thing is about 50 years ago, racing was like that. Race car drivers drove everything. You had Mario Andretti, who was an F1 driver, an IndyCar driver, and a NASCAR driver, hmm. because they had to do that. And now the racing world is kind of getting back behind that. And I think sim racing can cultivate that and really drive it forward where we can, we can do it even without asking at maybe even a larger scale, because we could have an event where Max Verstappen and Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Denny Hamlin are all racing at the same time, and that would just be incredible. Um, so I still think we're kind of at the front end of this, but you, you have an interesting role here because you, you work as a TV host and reporter with NBC and obviously you're driving as well. And clearly you're in the middle of all the forward thinking with esports and iRacing. And, and I spend, of course, a lot of time at ESPN and I know how this is. They want to see a bottom line before they will go all in to proliferate more of the content. Um, and I understand why. Um, as you're working in and around NBC Sports with the connection with NASCAR and you're seeing what happened with esports and iRacing earlier this year, do you think it will find itself populated more on major platforms or was this a weird 2020 COVID year and they were just trying to fill some time? <laughs> uh, I absolutely believe you will see it um, continue. And I, I think you know, not only was the fan base awoken to the power of, you know, using something like this, but, and not only the sanctioning body, but also the sport as a whole. I think your part, you know, your TV partners, your broadcast partners, your media partners, everyone was sort of woken up to saying, oh, you know what? We don't need to think about racing as being, it's that Saturday event, it's that Sunday event. We can do more and we have the tool in the future to possibly, you know, have more content than ever before. And I think that's where the value really falls for sim racing connected to the real world in that, in that sense of, you know, driving revenue increases and that sort of thing. It's where you can create more and more content than we ever could before that people are going to respect, they're going to be interested in, and that you can involve the real stars in. Um, and I, I think that's probably, you'll, you'll definitely, well, I know you will see that here in the future. Look, uh, I don't think this is going to happen, but if you go look at audiences on Twitch, and I know you know this, like they're massive for these types of events. And it does make me wonder of all the sports, is it possible sim racers will one day be more popular than real live racers? (laughs) Uh, You know, no. And I, so when the, you know, during the shutdown there, there was a lot of fans who maybe kicked back and said, oh, you know, this, this is ruining real racing. It'll just take over. And I, my immediate response was, well, just remember, it's a simulation of real racing. Right. So if there is no real racing, we're not simulating anything. And then we've got a problem. So I think it, it naturally can't deceive the sport in that sense because it has to have that tentpole that halo, you know, thing, that aspirational thing of the real racing, the top level series that you're trying to mimic that you watch on Sunday and then hop on your iRacing rig and think, I want to be just like Denny Hamlin yeah. and go out there and race Talladega. 
that's that you have to have that connection. Otherwise, no, I don't think it. Yeah. I, I just so for, for all the human experience and I, I'm hoping you're going to confirm this because this was my <laughs> limited experience with it because I once got to do an immersion event with NASCAR in Charlotte. They let me drive a car around the track a few times. Then they put me in with a professional driver. So I got to feel what it really feels like. Trust me, there's nothing the machine can do <laughs> to make you feel that going around the track. And I would assume having you're having lived it, that as great as the sim racing is, there's got to be nothing like actually getting in the truck and driving around those tracks at those speeds. A hundred percent. You know, it, we could, uh, an astronaut can try to explain blasting off on a rocket all day long, right? Yeah. And maybe give you some, shape you around and say, this is what it's like. But until you strap that rocket and blast off, you have no idea. And I think, you know, that's why people still chase, you know, experiences in a, in a fighter jet and that sort of thing. There is stuff we're never going to be able to simulate. We're never going to be able to simulate G-forces, the shaking of the car, you know, the intensity of going that fast, but all those little intricacies. We can mimic driving at least, right? And the experience of racing each other, but we're never going to be able to say, hey, if you hit this wall, it's going to hurt just as bad in real life not going to happen. I actually, funny enough, I was watching Talladega on Sunday with my girlfriend and I, there was a wreck and they had an in-car camera and I shuddered when I saw it. And she was like, wow, like you view that so differently than me. And I was like, yes. And she's like, you know what that feels like. You just saw that and you, you instantly like shuddered and felt what he was going through where she's like, I have no idea what he's going through there. It didn't, it didn't phase me as much. And you know, that's part of that. Just the difference between having the real world feel versus what we simulate, right? Or show you on TV. You can check out Parker on uh, NBC Sports and obviously on the top tracks around uh, the world. And hopefully in 2021, we get our world back and the crowds can go back to the races and we can get back to normal again. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, bud. Really appreciate it. It's a lot of fun. On the next Future Sport Podcast, how an entertainment venue was growing digitally and then a pandemic happened. You know, we pride ourselves as a company um, that, you know, likes to learn and iterate and change and grow. Um, And uh, these times obviously have forced that um, even more aggressively and faster. And, um, you know, we we really teach our teams and our, our, our leaders to think about, you know, how we have to adjust to kind of the new world. That's Yu Chiang Cheng media president of Topgolf, who will talk about turning a fun night into a digital brand. That'll do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. The Future Sport Podcast is brought to you by 3Advance, developers of sports tech apps that are AI-powered and UX-focused. So if you're looking to create some apps for your startup or your sports biz calls for some artificial or business intelligence, you should check out 3Advance. They're incredible. Go to 3Advance.com. That's the number 3Advance.com.